episode is brought to you by the Martial Arts Institute of America, located on South Ave in Westfield. With more than 35 star reviews, Master Lim and his instructors offer a variety of programs for children and adults. And don't forget to check out their new Paladin Strength training classes. Visit maia-westfield.com to learn more. Everybody, welcome back to this episode of That Westfield Podcast. Today, we are joined by Jordana Edelstein of Jordana Edelstein Nutrition Coaching. What's up, Jordana? Hi. I'm so happy to be here. I said your name a lot. Really quickly there, Jordana. Jordana. It's okay. Three times, three times fast. All good. It's a, it's a good name. Jordana <laughs> rhymes with banana. That's there. like an easy way. I hated that as a kid, <laughs> but now it's like I, I lean into it. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, well, we've known each other for a while, like casually through mm-hmm. the restaurant. And yeah. then when we uh, reconnected, I was like, oh, I totally know who this is. And I've always thought you were like one of the sweetest people ever. So I was excited to learn more about your business, your coaching, what you do, and your podcast. Like you do a lot for the health and wellness community. I do. So Thanks. Excited to, to jump into it. So give everyone a little background about how you got into nutrition and uh, what you're doing now. Yeah. So I'm a nutrition behavior and body image coach. That's kind of like my full title. It just gets a little wordy. Um, And I do this work um, because this was my life, meaning I kind of help people with the problems that I struggled with for decades. Um, I dealt with a lot of pretty severe disordered eating, pretty severe body image issues from like 17, 18, all the way through um, about five to seven-ish years ago. Um, and I had a career in advertising and then I taught yoga for nine to 10 years. And that also kind of really informs what I do now. And so the work I do is really around helping people feel more at ease around food. Right. Like stop letting food take up so much space in your brain, stop being obsessed with like what's happening on the scale, um, learning how to feel more comfortable in your body, how to use clothes to get dressed and feel good, and just be able to kind of move through the world not kind of consumed and obsessed by like feeling like you constantly have to lose weight or did I gain weight? Did I lose weight? What's happening? Um, and I do help people with fat loss, but not through dieting, all right. through skills. I really take like a skills based approach to eating. I think when we chatted, I talked, I talk a lot about like the what, why and how of eating. Um, so it's not about rules or restriction. It's about really kind of relearning. Um, how to make thoughtful, intentional choices around food. Right, because we've all been brainwashed for decades mm-hmm. <laughs> about what is totally attractive, what is how you know how food is good or bad and yep. all, all these things we assign to it. Yep. And you know, there's I mean there's so many different ways that it affects people. Like obviously for me it was more like health and wellness, like orthorexia, right? When you think about mm-hmm. how uh, you know like am I eating the right thing? Am I on the right diet for yep. my, for my health issue? But when it comes to like weight loss, weight gain, like all that stuff, like we've just been conditioned in a way that is, we know, we all know it's unhealthy, right? Mm-hmm. We just don't know what to do about it. So you help people figure totally. out how to get out of that world and go, yes. Hey, like get back into your own body. Yes. Right. Here is how this is going to work for you. What you hear for everybody else isn't always right for you. Totally. Um, so yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, like what's, what's kind of your process for people when they come and work with you? Yeah. So it's so funny you say that because I was just kind of thinking like, yeah, there's no one size fits all. Like, you know, Everyone out there has done every diet, you know, (laughs) um, Whole30 and Atkins and Weight Watchers and um, Octavia is like a big one around here. And people do them and they lose weight. And then it it comes back because following those rules and that kind of specific meal plan or what foods you're allowed or what foods you're not allowed is not reflective of like you and your preferences and your lifestyle and your history and your needs. Mm. And so, so much of the work we do is about starting to really drill down and look at like what's going on in your life. What have you tried that has worked? What have you tried that hasn't worked? What really are your goals? And getting so much of it is really about like helping people get really radically honest with themselves around like, 
What are you actually going to do? Why aren't you doing the things that you say you're going to do? Kind of closing that gap between, I mean, most people know how to eat more nutritious foods and know they need to exercise and know they need to go to sleep on time, but it's like people aren't doing it. So it's like, how do we close that gap between knowing what you need to do and actually doing it? So a lot of it is, I mean, I work with people in one-to-one coaching and in small groups, and it's about really getting to know people. It's really yep. personal work, and that's what I love about it. Um, it's not cookie cutter. I don't hand you a meal plan. I don't hand you a list of like approved foods. We figure all of that out together. Mm-hmm. And then we work on skills. We start with like one to two skills and you go off and work on that for a couple of weeks and then we slowly add on. So it's not like an overhaul. It's not like a, it's like a little bit by little bit. And that's hard for people because it's not like the instant gratification quick fix that we're used to. Um, it's a long process. It takes time, but you're making changes. I always like to say, I'm not interested in helping you make changes for the next 30 days. Right. I'm helping you. I'm interested in helping you make changes for the next 30 years. Yeah. So. And I think that's everybody's struggle is like, how do you learn, unlearn the old behaviors, relearn new behaviors and something that's going to like last a lifetime? Because again, especially as we get older, especially as women, like hormones are changing, like there's so much, like you totally. can't eat and diet and exercise the same way you did when you're in your twenties no. as you do in your thirties no. and forties. And I think a lot of people hope and wish for that. And then you get really frustrated. Um, or maybe, yeah, there's something else going in your body, going on in your body that you're not even aware of, like a thyroid issue or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like, so as these things pop up, you have to be able to kind of like ebb and flow and be willing to adapt and change and learn yes. new things. And yes. it's not just about like what recipe to cook or like, you know, yeah, what to count. I mean, I, from like a health perspective, you know, for me, it's all about nourishing my body, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess you teach people how to just like look at it from that uh, that standpoint, more like intuitive eating, how to listen to like when they're actually hungry and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So like what, what else is in your process? Yeah. So I kind of have this, this Venn diagram, like an infographic. So you'll have to kind of picture it, um, you know, as you're listening to this or watching it. Um, and there's sort of three circles, right? And one circle is around like... M- it has the word nourishing, which really kind of speaks to the nutrition part of things. Are you eating enough protein? Are you eating enough carbs? Mm. Are you eating enough fats? Right. So all three macronutrients, which is what all of our food is made up of. And then that overlaps with, um, satiating, which means are you eating food that's filling? Right. We live in like a snack based culture and I, I it's, <laughs> it's a problem. I know it's not that snacks are bad, but for folks like, me, um, and potentially maybe like you as I'm getting to know you. 1,000%. Right. With like where we come from a background pretty much, I mean, I don't know, there's very few women who've not dealt with any disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Um, eating bigger meals and fewer snacks is really helpful and really important. Right. And so eating foods that are filling. So you finish a meal and you're like, okay, I'm cool for like four to six hours now. Um, so you've got the nutrition piece, the kind of the fullness piece. And then there's the satisfaction piece is eating food that you enjoy right. because so much around weight loss and health is around, well, it can't taste good. If it tastes good, it must not, it must not be okay. There must be a problem with this. But then what happens is that leads you into having cravings and that right. contributes to binging and emotional eating. So enjoying what you eat is just as important as eating foods that are nutritious and eating foods that are filling. And so we work on skills to kind of help you learn how to overlap all three of those. And that's kind of like the, the no pun intended, macro approach to, <laughs> to how we do things. We even understand things like blood sugar regulation and like why you're getting hangry. Or, you know, I think there's so much education in, in health and wellness that we don't get growing up. And it's like, oh, yes. then we're out here like all lost yes. following some like shirtless Instagram guy in Costco, as my wife always makes fun of, like that guy yes. on TikTok. Yes. And she's like, that's not my body. Like, why are you like, why is right. listening to that guy? Yeah. Especially as a woman, especially like, you know, they're not even your like, um, your ethnic background. Like, I 
she always talks about like famines, right? If your body's gone through, your family history has mm-hmm. gone through a famine, like that, mm-hmm. that affects you now. So like we're just so big on bioindividuality. Yes. Listening to yourself and yes. everybody else and working with somebody who can help guide that process. Like you're not there to tell them exactly what to do. You're, you're there to help them open up and discover totally what's going on. It's so much. It's a process of curiosity mm-hmm. and experimenting and trying different things and then paying attention to like the clinical term is biofeedback, right? How does it affect your hunger levels? How does it affect your, how does it affect your sleep, your mood? Um, and you start to pay attention. You learn about yourself. Like what works for me? What doesn't work for me? And I think, you know, what you mentioned about they don't teach you this in school. I talk about this all the time. We learn about food mostly like from our, well, generationally from our families. Now, obviously social media plays a huge role. I'm 43. So I it was mostly like what I was taught by my parents. Um, and then you get influenced by friends and whatnot. But it's, there's so many little things that happen when you're a kid. It's like, well, have to fin- clear your plate. You can't yeah. have dessert unless you eat all your vegetables. And that starts to take away those innate cues of like, am I full? Am I hungry? What am I in the mood for? And it's all well-intentioned, right? Nobody's parents are doing this to like try and screw them up. <laughs> but, you know, there are, you know, kind of consequences to these things that as adults, we have to like backpedal and unlearn. But yes, like the bio-individuality piece is huge. And we lean into that a lot, really learning how to pay attention and notice how you are responding physically and kind of mentally and emotionally to what and how you're eating. Right. No, I love that. I think that's probably the biggest key to gets missing from everyone's success. It's like, why do people keep relapsing in these diets yes. and diet culture? And because they yep. literally just keep listening to everyone else, but yep. themselves. Yeah. <laughs> they see it's like a, like what I ate in a day, like the cool trending thing on social media and they try to replicate it. And let me tell you that most of those are like 1200 calories right. a day. So good luck. Good luck with that. <laughs> That's not enough. Like, I know no. I, I always tell people the story, like when I was running the restaurant, I was so busy. My, my cortisol was through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. So I had very little appetite to begin with. And then because I was just like starving whenever I ate, I would eat like a muffin and coffee in the morning. I had no protein. Yep. And eventually I just like blew out everything in my thyroid, my adrenal glands. Like I was unable to function from five years of like that combination of high stress. And like everybody has high stress. Doesn't matter if you're not working, totally. mom, like everybody has it. So you have to also nourish your body in a way that can handle that a little bit more too. Yes. And then I didn't know what to do with it. got for my wife and like her understanding of, you know, like also what you do because she taught me about, uh, you know, hormones and mm-hmm. thyroid stuff and, and protein, like eating enough protein in the morning and how that mm-hmm. affects the rest of the day. So yep. like, what are some basic tips for people like that that are struggling right now? Like what can they implement today? A couple of things that yeah. I think would help them. Well, I love that you brought up protein because it's like my favorite, one of my favorite nutritional topics to discuss. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> protein. And in the morning, people struggle with it because people tend to go more carb heavy in the morning because it's convenient. And so protein is super important. And I let you brought up kind of like women and life stages and whatnot. It's important for so many reasons. But number one, it is the most filling of the three macros, meaning proteins, carbs, and fats. So when you have mm-hmm. protein at a meal, it's going to help you stay full for longer. This is one of my favorite. I'm a science nerd. I'm going to share one little science <laughs> fact. There are nerve endings in your gut in part of your small intestine that actually respond to amino acids. That's what protein is made of. And they send a signal to your brain to trigger fullness. That doesn't exist for carbs or fats. I just think that's so cool. Like, so that's not like, that's one of the reasons. So protein is the most filling. So that's going to set you up for the day in terms of reducing the cravings, reducing the likelihood to snack. Um, protein is also super important for maintaining and mitigating muscle loss. As women, you're, we're losing three to 5% muscle mass every decade, which doesn't seem like a lot, but that adds up. Like it's a lot. It adds up really fast. Um, and so protein plays a huge role in kind of how you feel in your energy levels. I mean, every 
again, science-y talk, like every cellular process in your body is relying on right. protein to function. And people will say, like, if you look at um, like a nutrition label, it'll, if you do the math on that, basically it'll come out to like recommending 60 grams of protein a day. That's like baseline to like survive. That's not <laughs> optimal, right? So incorporating what I like to talk about as an efficient source of protein. So this might like burst some people's bubbles, but quinoa, peanut butter, cheese, those are not proteins. They have protein <laughs> in them, but they don't kind of count as your protein. Yeah. Efficient proteins are things like lean animal proteins, um, Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, mm-hmm. uh, whey supplements, tofu, um, eggs, egg whites. Those are your efficient proteins. Right. And you want to start to incorporate one of those at as many meals as possible, but just start with one meal. Don't start with all the meals because it, again, it's overwhelming. So maybe you start with breakfast. Um, that is one of the number one most important transformative skills that will have a huge impact on everything. I agree. And I personally have seen the difference in that. Like I just didn't eat enough. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, granted, I think because I was running around a restaurant, there was part of me that didn't want to eat, yeah. which is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, when you're busy, you just forget yeah. a lot of the times. And, and then when you like, what, we could talk about the long-term effects of that. So what happens mm-hmm. to somebody after like two years of just not eating enough? Like what starts to break down? How do they feel? Maybe signs or symptoms people can kind of look out for now that maybe they can realize, hey, I'm not eating enough protein or eating enough in general. I mean, definitely energy levels and cravings are going to be a huge piece of it. If you are noticing yourself having a lot of cravings, if you're snacking a lot, that isn't a big indicator that you're probably not getting enough protein mm-hmm. in your diet. That's not, I'm going to say 100% of the time, but almost always. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But people just, people kind of chalk it up to like, oh, I'm stressed or, oh, I'm busy or, oh, this or, oh, that. Yes, that's life and all that stuff is happening. But you could also be setting yourself up for so much more success by incorporating more nutritious foods into your diet. And I don't like to say healthy foods because foods are nutritious or not nutritious. They're not healthy or unhealthy. To your point, you mentioned orthorexia earlier. You could eat broccoli all day long if you're terrified to eat like a cupcake and that make the broccoli is no longer healthy. Right, like, right. let's tell people what orthorexia actually is in case they don't know. Cause it is sure. sort of a newer term over the last few years. Yeah. And it's not probably as horrific as people think it is, but it can become a problem for you if, if you're getting into health and wellness. Yeah. So orthorexia is a clinically diagnosed eating disorder, um, where you kind of have a fixation and a preoccupation with only eating like quote healthy foods, um, to the point where, you know, you become obsessed and you start excluding foods and your behavior revolves around only being able to eat like kind of foods on a certain list that are considered, you know, healthy or nutritious, um, at the detriment of many other foods, nutrition and obviously, you know, kind of your mental well-being. Yeah. And it's interesting because like I I never thought I had, I mean, I I like just real talk, like I've never had issues with food ever my entire life. I think mm-hmm. I'm that, that small person mm-hmm. who yeah. hasn't. And uh, until the last two years where my autoimmune disease were flaring so much and I felt like everything I was eating was making me feel unwell. And mm-hmm. it wasn't even like I had an issue with like how I felt about the food, but I was like putting food into my body and I wasn't feeling good and I was getting scared of eating things because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, the paleo diet, it, it, you know, that kind of lifestyle worked for me for like 35 years and now mm-hmm. it's not. And then I was like starting to react to meat and I was like, Oh no, like that's weird. Like, yeah, so I started to just freak out. So like I became, you know, orthorexic in a way of just like, I'm not sure what to do with my body right now and how to even, you know, sort out like what's good for me. And obviously I ended up having Lyme disease and viruses. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I was reacting so poorly. Yeah. But there was a time, a whole year probably where like I didn't realize that's what it was. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, and then I was just afraid to eat and I would eat only like things I thought were safe and like mm-hmm. it made me feel sick. And so I think it could be like span across different things and people 
people might not even realize that that's what they're struggling with. And like, if they need someone to talk to, like, here you are. Like, maybe someone's just curious about, yeah. Oh, I feel this way about food, but like, I don't, is that a disorder? Is it disordered eating? Yeah. Or is that normal? I think that's such a good point because so many of us struggle and have so many thoughts and feelings around food and eating. And it's all normalized. Like diet culture has normalized, right? Constantly like, being on a diet all the time is not like, quote, normal. It feels normal because it feels like we're always supposed to be losing weight um, <laughs> and jumping from one thing to the next or constantly saying like, I'm so bad. I'm out of control. I can't have that in the house. Like all of that. There's a, there's a spectrum, right, of disordered eating. Um, and I work with people. I don't work with people who have clinical eating disorders. That's certainly beyond my scope. But I do work with people who have disordered eating, a lot of stress and obsession and preoccupation around food in all different ways. Like, is this going to make me gain weight or this food is bad or I'm not allowed to have this. I have no self-control. And so when you start to have, start to notice it impacting kind of your mental well-being, it's creating stress, it's impacting, um, you know, are you stressing out because you're going out to dinner with friends and you don't know if there's going to be something there or someone drops off like it's the holidays, right? Now this is going to air in January, but right now we're talking in December. There's tons of food around. There's lots of leftovers. Like if you're like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. I can't have this cake in the house. Like there are skills to deal with all that. Like you don't have to live that way. Right. Um, and that's a really big part of, of the work that I do with people is helping them learn to just feel more, I love that language, like at ease around food so that then you can spend your time, energy and attention on the stuff that really needs it, um, <laughs> which is not obsessing around food. And I, I always find it so fascinating to watch like other cultures and like Europe and, and the way we do things here. And it's like, do you find that this is more of like an American problem than than other places? And why do you think that is? I mean, I've only ever lived here, so I can't really speak to, you know, but I do know culturally that food is different, certainly in Europe. Um, we live in an abundance culture, mm -hmm. right? Where portions are massive, a very snack-based culture. The quality of a lot of our foods is not that great, um, right? So you could start talking about like highly processed foods, hyper palatable foods, which are taste delicious. And I do not, like, here's the thing, like I think what's different about my approach is I don't label those foods as bad. I don't call them junk food. They're less nutritious foods. Um, they can have a role, but they come alongside like really doing the work around kind of that little Venn diagram right, thing right, I talked right. about earlier. Um, so I do think it's, it's challenging. It's a struggle. I mean, yes, we have a huge rise in, um, obesity in our country and it's not, it's because of our environment has changed. Mm -hmm. And so the prevalence of these hyper palatable foods that are convenient and inexpensive and easy to eat, our brains are wired to want to eat those things, right? There's, there's an, there's a mismatch between evolution and our modern culture, which personally I kind of find that's, that stuff fascinating. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll talk, talk about the brain, talk about how yeah. you know, something like dairy, you know, do dopamine receptors, like how that all works out and sugar. <laughs> I know. Get excited. You know, I, I'm, I'm familiar with some of this, but basically, um, you know, dopamine is the molecule of wanting more. It's a molecule of reward. It's not even so much about pleasure. And so when we have foods like, you know, Oreos, we crave them and we have them and we kind of get that hit. But then what happens is in order to, we have to eat more and more of them in order to satisfy kind of those rises in dopamine. So it becomes like two Oreos no longer becomes enough. Then we need three. Then we need four. Then we need five. And it, 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 it is. But at the, at the same time, it doesn't mean that we can't ever have those foods, but we have to be really specific and have the skills around how to eat them. Like uh, things like sitting down at a table, putting it on a napkin, not eating it while you're scrolling your phone, not eating it while you're watching TV. So you're being present, you're paying attention. Um, 
I mean, I'm not an Oreo person, but I do love desserts, right? Like I love desserts. I love cake and cookies. Cake is like my favorite. And I want to live a life where I'm not eating cake. <laughs> right. So I'm not someone who's like, oh, we have to cut out sweets, we have to cut out carbs, we have to cut out sugar. Um, but we do need skills to learn how to eat those foods, especially for someone who wants to work on fat loss. Again, it's not about saying, oh, I'm going to cut out sugar so I can lose weight. No, it's going to, I'm going to learn how to eat desserts in a way that's in alignment with what my body needs and what feels good for me. Um, so again, you can learn to manage, right? That dopamine right. by being really mindful and thoughtful and present. It's hard, right? We live in a eat in the car, yeah. eat in a rush, <laughs> grab a thing, eat your kids leftovers. There's that's so right. much. Um, you know, the, the buzzword is like mindless eating and it's, how do we become more thoughtful? How do we learn to pay more attention? Well, I guess that that's my next question for you too, like advice for people. So, um, yeah, we used to see a lot of moms at Fettel who were like making three different meals, like one mm-hmm. for their husbands, one for their kids. And they were often the ones on the back burner eating the least healthy yeah. and again, not present when they're eating. So yeah. What can somebody do? Who's kind of in that situation? How do you, how do you teach them to break that cycle? So it's, it really comes down to taking a little bit of time and figuring out how can you make meal planning and meal prep a little bit easier for yourself. And so I have a a worksheet that I'll use a lot with folks where across the top is um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and down the side is um, efficient protein, carb, and fat. And so you can start to look at the meals and just kind of make sure you've got two or three options in each category. And giving yourself the permission to use some prepared foods or frozen foods, foods or pre-cooked foods. Um, like one of my favorite things, we get our meat from Butcher Box and we get these um, lightly breaded chicken tenders. They're phenomenal. They're delicious. I throw them in the air fryer. I use them all the time. They are more nutritious than some of the ones you'll find in the grocery store because they have less breading. So you get, it's an efficient protein, not along with tons of carbs. So then you can have like a nutritious carb with it, like right. quinoa or right. pasta or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's going to take some effort. There's no like magic fix to help you just stop eating or eat less off of like your kid's plate. Um, but you also, not every meal has to be from scratch. Not every meal has to be a recipe. Not every okay. meal has to be, you know, tons of work. You can make things easier on yourself. I, I hate to cook. <laughs> I want to make sure that gets thrown in there. I'm a nutrition coach that does not like to cook. And I have... Um, so drastically improve my relationship with food and feel the best I've ever felt in my body, giving myself permission to eat some breaded frozen chicken tenders, right? And they're great quality. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of foods out there like that. If you start to kind of just give yourself some of that permission. And it's like not aiming for perfection because it doesn't exist. No, totally. Consistency. That's how change happens. Right. Right. I love that. And yeah, having, having your mindset shift and being able to just, you know, step into a place and have the support with someone like you to just be like, okay, I can do this. Cause sometimes it does feel really lonely when you're making that big of a change. You do need support. Um, you need to be able to tap into your own power, but also just have someone there to kind of guide you through it when you have questions and help you out and help you figure out, you know, the, the hairy parts that you don't know. Cause it's, you don't know because we weren't taught for a yeah. long time until you go through something and then you end up learning how to help other people, which is absolutely why you're here. Yeah. So um, what do you have going on for 2024? You have one-on-one coaching, right? What yeah. Else, what else, what so I work with people one-on-one and I'm launching um, a semi-private coaching uh, group, which is going to be a small, intimate group of women all online um, where we really kind of create the space to help people find more ease around food, help women. Um, and we didn't really get to talk much about body image, but body image is a big piece of it, right? So learning to feel more comfortable in your skin um, and learning to find value and self-worth, not just 
in your appearance, but in more about who you are and what your body does for you. So one-on-one coaching, semi-private coaching are going to be kind of the two big ways coming up in the first half of 2024. Um, and then there's more stuff maybe for the back end. So. Cool. so real quick, talking about body image, um, what's something that you find is really important for people to know or understand when it comes to mindful eating and weight loss? Mm-hmm. So... And so it's a great way to put it because a lot of people think that losing weight will improve body image. Mm-hmm. And that actually is not true. Um, it's losing weight can definitely have a huge impact on quality of life, on health, on biomarkers. And so fat loss in and of itself is not problematic. I coach people on fat loss all the time. But alongside that, we are doing separate body image work about how to find self-worth in who you are that's not only attached to the size and shape of your body. Um, I do talk a lot about like getting dressed and how you use clothing and how that makes you feel because you can do that independent of, again, size and shape. Um, it's really about reconnecting to what your body does for you, mm-hmm. um, how it allows you to show up in the world. We take, we don't even think about that. We take it for granted. It might sound kind of woo woo and cheesy, but like literally you and I would not be sitting here doing this without bodies. I know that might sound kind of weird, um, but it is about really reconnecting to that, learning to be less judgmental, learning to kind of shift opinions we have around ourselves to talking about things more factually. Um, we're so judgmental. We're so critical of ourselves and it's all opinion. It's not actual exactly. fact. Yeah, I know. It's, it, that's a rough one. I mean, I so, more than anyone appreciate my health after going through so many things, mm-hmm. all, all, the, all the ups and downs. I think until you do, you don't realize how much your body does for you. Yes. The fact that it yeah. can just like filter all the garbage out. It's amazing. And like you can reproduce and you can like your eyeballs work and like I, you can. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Like it blows my mind. Right. And so yeah. I, I find practicing gratitude around things, even, you know, whatever your, your health struggles are, whether it's, uh, you know, weight loss or, a health condition, just being grateful for everything that you do have is just a nice reset, a nice reminder of like your body is amazing and doing its best. It might not be 100% perfect in your eyes, but mm-hmm. like give it some credit. <laughs> give yeah. It some credit. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's showing up for you. So I love that. I love yeah. That. Okay. Um, all right. So where can everybody find you? Um, your website, your Instagram? Yep. So jordanaedelstein.com. All one word on Instagram, all one word on the website. Um, that's pretty much where I am cool. out there. On I love apps. it. Yeah. This was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to have to have you back and do some more health and wellness stuff in the future. Awesome. But thank you so much. Happy thank New you. Year, guys. Hit up Jordana. Let her help you through the new year. All your questions. She's ready for you. Just send her a message uh, through Instagram or her website. And we'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Mm-hmm.